I'm Brian Adamek with Adamek Farms in Victoria, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It is great to be back with you once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the wheat harvest here in Texas has passed the one-third mark. That is on the little wheat that can be harvested. Many farmers planted a lot of wheat, but they're harvesting very few of those planted acres here as we reach harvest time. We'll check in with one Lubbock area farmer on his wheat harvest coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. What looks to be a dismal wheat harvest is underway in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll bring you a crop insurance agent's perspective. Urban food bloggers and influencers learn about conservation practices that farmers utilize in producing food and fiber. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas finally gets rains that have lessened the wildfire threat, but it comes at a very high cost. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas wheat harvest has now passed the one-third mark with 36% of the wheat out of the field, according to this week's Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report. Farmers like Tom Gregory of Petersburg, northeast of Lubbock, are only harvesting a fraction of the wheat they planted. Uh, We've got 60 acres of irrigated wheat that we will harvest. You know, I don't expect the yields on it to be in the 25 to 30 bushel, which is not uh, very good irrigated wheat. Gregory planted a lot more than that. He put in over 300 acres of dryland wheat, but he says it just sat in the dry dirt and finally sprouted just last week. We probably planted all three or 400 acres of dryland wheat, and it, we're just, it just started coming up the 1st of June. So I don't know that I've ever seen a wheat crop lay in the seedbed uh, from October till to June 1st, and this now sprouting, but we're just now starting to, to see some of that uh, dryland wheat uh, sprout and come up, and you can row it, but it's, of course, way too late for that. But uh, that's I guess that's a first for me in my 25 years of farming. Cody Carson farms about halfway between Lubbock and Amarillo, and he says the same thing happened with his wheat crop. I have wheat seed uh, laying that if I could suck it back up right now, I could reuse it this fall because it never got enough moisture to germinate. Uh, it's literally laying there. We had a few places where we had some uh, a little light rain that sprouted it, and then it died. Even where we've irrigated for six weeks straight, it is... Uh, 
20% crop. Uh, the prices are phenomenal if we could just make a crop, but it doesn't look like we're going to be able to this year. Wheat crop condition ratings in the report are unchanged, with over 80% of the Texas wheat crop rated poor to very poor. Now, one of the biggest standouts in this week's crop progress report is the Texas cotton planting number. Texas farmers have wasted no time rolling the cotton planters, according to USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey. And a big week for cotton planting in Texas, where we finally got some rain in the western part of the state, helped to soften up soils. Nationally, 84% of the U.S. cotton planted by June 5th, well ahead of the five-year average of 76%, even further ahead of last year's 70%. Cotton planting is now wrapped up in California and Louisiana, 99% complete in Arizona. And in Texas, the number one cotton production state, a big jump of 22 percentage points to reach 82% planted. Five-year average is just 69%. The latest Texas cotton crop ratings shape up like this. 27% of the crop rated good to excellent, 51% rated fair, and 22% of the Texas cotton rated poor to very poor. As we've already mentioned, the Texas wheat harvest is nothing to get excited about this year. James Hunt gets a Texas High Plains crop insurance agent's perspective on this year's wheat crop. Well, as we go deeper into the month of June, we're entering what is typically the most intense time for wheat harvest in the Texas High Plains. Unfortunately, we know that drought conditions and other weather hazards have severely undermined this season's crop. However, even with a large number of claims coming in, crop insurance agent Rachel Myers says farmers do have incentives to make the most of harvest. I do think that the high prices and the concern about the availability of seed wheat is probably driving some people to cut some fields that normally they would have already abandoned. You know, I think we're going to see some combines pull through some very, very low yielding wheat just simply to capture you know, some of that seed value. Yes, along with lost grain production, the collapse of this season's wheat crop also means less seed production for next season. It is very sad to see so many producers lose out on the good economic benefits this particular crop could have delivered to them. But Meyer says, depending on how their insurance policies were set up, there is one benefit coming soon. With this wheat crop, obviously we've seen a huge rise in prices. We started with an insurance guarantee of $7.08 back in September. If producers purchased a revenue protection policy, we will be looking at resetting the harvest price. That will be set typically right around the 1st of July. They track the July Kansas City wheat board during the month of June to recalculate that harvest price. And so, you know, a lot of producers are worried about the fact that, you know, they've lost this wheat crop and they're not going to be able to capture the current process. But if you purchase that revenue protection plan, then you'd be looking for potentially another check coming your way. Once again, that was Rachel Myers of Myers Crop Insurance in Claude. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Educating consumers about where their food comes from is a never-ending task. Tom Nicoletti attended a recent field-to-fork educational event near Houston. My guest is Christy Oates. She is a state conservationist with the Natural Resources Conservation Service. She's based in Temple, but I caught up with her recently in Wharton County in southeast Texas where uh, the NRCS and the Texas corn producers in a partnership hosted a Field to Fork event for a number of social media bloggers, food bloggers from uh, urban areas of Texas. And uh, Christy, tell me uh, who was invited to this program? Why is it important? 
were a number of audiences invited to this program. It's really an opportunity for our farmers and ranchers and private landowners across the state to be able to connect with audiences that maybe are not directly related to farming and ranching. As mentioned, many of these uh, work, live, and raise their families in urban areas. They're really connecting through this uh, event to be able to work and learn more about how food is raised, where products come from, and really connect the field to the fork. There are a number of places that we visited today and farmers in the area who really care and strive to manage their operation in a very environmentally friendly way. They in, you know, work with the Natural Resources Conservation Service to develop conservation plans, really think about the conservation practices to apply and be able to not only uh, conserve their resources, but be able to produce their product for consumers across the state of Texas and beyond. That is Chris Yotes. She is with USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Rio Grande Valley finally got some rain to lessen the wildfire threat. But Jim Hearn says those rains came with some hail that did millions of dollars in damage. Since our last report, extreme South Texas was hit by a line of thunderstorms that dropped between two to five inches of rain along with that high winds and a lot of lightning. The good news, it lessened the wildfire threats, but in the northern Hidalgo County area, the pea-sized hail destroyed several areas of sorghum and sunflowers. The damage figures are still being calculated, but it will run into the millions of dollars. Because of the timing, the crops, uh, sunflowers, were just about a week or two from harvest, And it's going to be too late to try to plant any other crop or of anything. So producers are going to be out the crop plus all the inputs like the fertilizer and insecticides and planting. And it's going to be devastating to those growers. The Pacific hurricane season is also underway. Hurricane Agatha, the first of the storms, the was the strongest hurricane on record for a May, swept ashore on a stretch of tourist beaches and fishing villages in southern Mexico. Agatha was a strong Category 2 storm, 105-mile-per-hour winds, and it put many folks in the shelters. On the Gulf of Mexico side, the remnants of Agatha have moved from the Bay of Campeche across the Yucatan Peninsula. The good news is they're heading east away from the Texas coast. The valley continues to harvest watermelons. Valley sorghum is headed out. Corn looks good, and cotton is blooming. Rains really helped the dryland row crop planting, but it was too late for some dryland acreage that has already been zeroed out. The citrus crop is developing. Fruit is about ping pong to golf ball size. Water demands do remain high in citrus and all valley crops as temperatures have been nearing the triple digits on a daily basis. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. U.S. Fish and Wildlife has approved a plan to protect the lesser prairie chicken while allowing oil and gas development. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And gastrointestinal disease may be fixed with a simple change in your pet's food. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Chronic gastrointestinal disease may be fixed with a simple change in your pet's food. Dr. Bob Judd says it may be caused by a food allergy or hypersensitivity. If you have a pet with chronic gastrointestinal disease, a food trial should be considered, but not just any food. There are four basic types of foods to try if you feel your dog has a food allergy or hypersensitivity. They are highly digestible, low-residue diets, fiber-enriched diets, hydrolyzed protein diets, and diets containing a naive protein like rabbit or salmon. Unfortunately, it is impossible to perform a test to determine which food to try as it requires trial and error with each individual diet, which takes several months. Many owners get frustrated after trying one or two diets, but this is the only method to get accurate results. The good thing is that although changing diets for possible skin disease requires around 8 to 10 weeks, Dr. Sarah Schmidt from the University of Wisconsin indicates that a change in food can be assessed in dogs and cats with intestinal disease in as little as two weeks. If a response is noted in two to four weeks, then the pet is challenged with the old diet. And if symptoms recur, we know that the diet is the problem. It is important to slowly transition from one food to the other over about a 10-day period and then start the food trial, as these must be veterinary prescription foods. It is critical to not allow the pet to eat anything other than the recommended food. No treats, human food, or even toys should be used. Also, the oral heartworm and flea prevention you use may be flavored, so topical heartworm and flea prevention must be used while doing these trials. I know these food trials are difficult, and it may take three to four different food trials to determine if a food change will help with the disease. However, this is better than giving your pet immunosuppressive medication for the rest of their life. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. U.S. Fish and Wildlife has approved a plan to protect the lesser prairie chicken while allowing oil and gas development. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. After months of planning and review, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has approved a Lesser Prairie Chicken Habitat Conservation Plan and Incidental Take Permit for oil and gas development in five states in the chicken's range, which includes Texas. The approved plan and permit were submitted by LPC Conservation, LLC. According to Fish and Wildlife, the Habitat Conservation Plan is designed to allow for the responsible development of oil and gas in the Great Plains while also contributing to the conservation of the lesser prairie chicken. Lesser prairie chickens, a type of prairie grouse, occupy a five-state range in parts of Texas, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Colorado. Over time, their population numbers have declined for a number of reasons. 
FWS says the chickens require large tracts of relatively intact native grasslands and prairie to thrive. Under the approved Habitat Conservation Plan, those involved in the oil and gas industry will work with LPC Conservation LLC to ensure their projects in the lesser prairie chickens' habitat range minimize impacts to the grouse. The plan will also ensure mitigation is in place to voluntarily offset a project's impact to the species and its habitat range. FWS says the Habitat Conservation Plan and the Incidental Take Permit will ensure regulatory certainty for the oil and gas industry should the lesser prairie chicken become listed as threatened or endangered under the Endangered Species Act. That plan will remain in effect for 30 years. At this time last year, FWS proposed listing two distinct population segments of the lesser prairie chickens as endangered to protect the grouse. A decision on that is expected this month. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to take a look at the markets. So how did things wrap up on Wednesday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this, it could be too late to save your truck and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to OLI.org for info. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a jump in both the live and the fed cattle markets on Wednesday as a result of good demand and an expectation of tight supplies for the fed cattle market in the future. June live cattle up $3.10 to 136.82. August live cattle up $3.40 to 137.52. October live cattle up $2.67 to 142.75. August feeder cattle up $3.20 to 175. 65 September feeder cattle up $2.50 to 177.25 October feeder cattle up $2.07 to 178.92 Box beef was higher Wednesday choice up 97 cents to 272.39 Select up 45 cents to $250.01 Now let's check those livestock auctions we're walking the pens with Larry Marble Let's talk to Kenny Mingus, Milam County Livestock Auction Cameron. They sold them on Friday. Kenny, was it a hot sale? We had a total of fifteen sixty-one. Out of that mix, we had about three hundred cows. Tell us how they sold. With the steers under three hundred, one fifty-two to two dollars. Three to four hundred pound steers, one thirty-six to two dollars. Four to five hundred pound steers, one hundred five to one seventy-seven, and over five hundred eighty to one seventy. On the heifers under three hundred, one thirty to one eighty. Three to four hundred pound heifers, one nineteen to one seventy-three. Four to five hundred pound heifers, a dollar to one sixty-three, and over five. 
5,570 to 160. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes, sir. Packer cows, pretty steady. They added a little money from 40 to 86. Packer bulls from 80 to 111. On your bred cows from 400 to 1550. And on your pairs from 700 to 1500. Tell us how you feel about this next Friday sale, Kenny Mingus. I think we'll be pretty busy. Uh, we didn't catch any rain. Oh, a few showers through this thing, you know, last week, but nothing major. Uh, market was very active Friday. Uh, a little better than I expected to be on the calves. I thought the cow deal would be a little better than it was, but the calf deal was uh, better than I expected, especially on the really front end of the cattle. And lots of activity on those. You know, we had a pretty good rebound in the futures market last week, and uh, so I hopefully this thing uh, continue to trend forward, and we'll head to higher ground. Kenny, tell everybody how to contact you, please. You bet. We'll be around all office Monday through Wednesday at 254-697-6697. Follow us on our webpage at milamcountylivestockauction.com or catch us on Facebook. Thank you, Kenny, and thank you, neighbor, for listening to Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I put it together every Monday through Friday. See you tomorrow. June lean hogs down 57 cents Wednesday to 107.85. July lean hogs down $1.32 to 107.95. Blanc cheese fell 50 cents Wednesday to $2.27. Barrel cheese was up a penny to $2.25. Dry weight increased 75 cents to $52.50. June class 3 milk down 12 cents to $24.31 a hundred weight. July class 3 milk down 15 cents to $25.01. July cotton was down 79 points Wednesday to 136.95. October cotton up 10 points to 128.02. December cotton up 8 points to 119.88. Analysts say those increases due to hot and dry weather in West Texas. Corn traded higher Wednesday on good demand and improved planting pace. July corn up seven and a half to seven sixty four and a half. September corn up two to seven twenty seven and three quarters. December corn up three and three quarters to seven seventeen and three quarters. We also saw increases in the wheat markets on Wednesday. July hard red wheat up five and three quarters to eleven fifty five even. September hard red wheat up six to eleven sixty two and a quarter. July natural gas down 61 cents to 8.68. August natural gas down 60 cents to 8.67. Crude oil rose to a 13-week high on Wednesday, according to Reuters. The news outlet says that U.S. demand is still strong amid supply concerns. July crude oil up $2.70 to 122.11 a barrel. August crude oil up $2.68 to 119.78 a barrel. The Dow down 300 points Wednesday to 32,879. The S&P 500 down 47 points to 4,113. The Nasdaq down 101 points to 12,072. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.